Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We are a week into March, and it's another episode of Full Court with Fisher and Kay. We finally wrapped up conference and regular season play across the country, and we got rolling with even more conference tournaments. And we even have a few tickets punched to the big dance already, and Selection Sunday is officially less than a week away. It's all happening at once, Kara. It is definitely March Madness. It is, and the weather kind of changes a little bit, at least in the Midwest. You kind of have those like springtime, March Madness vibes, which is nice. Um, Obviously you're involved in some madness down in the bubble. It's a lot warmer down there. Um, How are the playoffs going? We'll talk to our guests about it too, but I wanna hear your perspective on it first. Yeah, well, it's been absolutely insane. Yesterday was a four-game day. It was the first round of playoffs in the quarterfinals. And we also had a player uh, get a two-way. And it's a super interesting story that I absolutely love. It's Anthony Lamb, who actually, and here's the short version, undrafted out of the University of Vermont this past year in 2020. He got uh, signed to a 10-day by the Detroit Pistons, got waived. Then he got drafted in the G League draft to the Canton Charge, who traded him in the middle of the bubble which again is just an awkward transition, right? Because you're just around these people all the time. And then in his second game, he played against Canton with his new team, Rio Grande Valley Vipers. I think he had 26 points against them too. Um, So he just absolutely went off. He had a 32 point game in his very first game with the Vipers. And then he ends up uh, helping his team kind of run the table and make playoffs. And then they lose yesterday to Santa Cruz, who again, great team, Jeremy Lin leading the charge there now that Nico's gotten called up. And same with Jordan Poole. Uh, but he, uh, I happened to ask if I could pull him aside because I knew his story over the past two months was was pretty insane. And so I interviewed him after. He thanked me, told me like, yeah, you know, I'm still trying to figure out what's happening next. And like less than six hours later, he gets a two-way with the Houston Rockets, which is absolutely insane. Again, you think about his journey and then he could wind up being the first Vermont men's basketball player to ever play in an NBA game. And so... These are the stories that I'm just like clamoring over. You love to see it. Anthony Lamb has always been a class act. Um, And players, I always remember when players thank me like for the time and for the content. And he was one of those players. And so it's been madness, but also like the the love of like, this is the best time of year for those reasons. And the G League, it's call-ups and it's, you know, obviously the championship this week as well. But like, the payoff for the grind is finally kind of culminating. And so it's a, it's a great vibe again in both college basketball and in the G league. I love it. That's an awesome story. That's so cool. Part of the reason you're there, obviously to get to tell those stories. So love to see it. Um, we have a final regular season AP poll Gonzaga holding strong at number one on the men's side, they officially kicked off their conference tournament. So see if they can, you know, finish the season undefeated all the way through the their conference tournament, the NCAA tournament. Baylor's back at number two after they picked up some wins and Michigan took a couple of losses. 
Illinois moves up to number three, one of those teams that beat Michigan last week. They had a huge week. Um, four is that Michigan team. Five is Iowa. Alabama checks in at six. Houston's number seven. They had a crazy win over Memphis that included Memphis hitting a three to tie the game with, I believe, 1.7 seconds to go. And then Houston making a half court three point shot to win the game. That was absolutely insane. Arkansas checks in at number eight. They're now winners of 11 straight games. Ohio State at nine and West Virginia at 10. On the women's side, we have the UConn dominance continuing, especially in conference play because they are the Big East champs. Paige Beckers is the Big East freshman and player of the year. And then we got Stanford at number two, NC State at number three, Texas A&M, excuse me, at number four, which again, I'll just note that with the women's tournament being in San Antonio, I do think that they, they get a little bit of a slight edge. I know that they're not in San Antonio, but being in their home state for that controlled environment there could definitely give them a little bit of help on the travel side and whatnot. Uh, at five, we have South Carolina, followed by Baylor, Louisville, Maryland, Indiana, and UCLA. So stacked with Big Ten teams, uh, some SEC teams, Pac-12, and then the ACC represented with NC State and Louisville. So it's definitely going to be a busy month ahead. As you mentioned, at the time of recording, we definitely already have some conference tournaments wrapped up and some of those automatic qualifiers for the NCAA tournament. The first bid uh, on the men's side for the 2021 NCAA tournament went to Liberty. They were the ASUN tournament champions for the third year in a row. They had some big um, non-conference wins earlier this year. They beat Mississippi State and South Carolina. They posted a 23-5 and overall record. They went 11-2 and in conference play. They entered the tournament on a 12-game winning streak, which is the third longest winning streak in the country. The next men's team to clinch was Moorhead State. They were the winners of the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament. They head to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2011 with an 86-71 win over Belmont. This will be the program's eighth NCAA tournament. The Eagles went 23-7 overall on the year. They're 17-3 in conference play. And they're also hot heading into the tournament. They're winners of seven straight. You mentioned Liberty and their consistent tournament championships. There's a kid here in the G League, Caleb Holmesley, plays for Erie. One of the biggest reasons that they had that much success is the sharpshooting that he had. And so all of a sudden I've been eyes averted to Liberty and I'm just, they're a team that no one really talks about. And so to see them have that consistent success uh, is definitely great for them. Winthrop is also heading to the NCAA tournament after beating Campbell to win back-to-back -back Big South titles. They've had only one loss this entire year and it came in late January to UNC Asheville by just two points. So they post an overall record of 23 and one. It's their 12th trip to the NCAA tournament. And then in the Missouri Valley, the Loyola Ramblers are heading to the tournament. Um, Kara, I think you had a little bit of a connection there. I was gonna say a special shout out to Paxton Wojcik and Drew Valentine who Drew's on staff there, Paxton's a player there. Um, pretty excited for them to be heading to the tournament. I love it. And then they beat a Drake team over the weekend who will wait patiently to hear their name called on Sunday to get to the to get the MVC bid. And then Loyola has been ranked for much of the year, uh, only four losses overall, and they still have some talent that led them to the 2018 Final Four, including senior Cameron Crutwig, who had 20 against Drake. And then hopefully Sister Jean could even make her way to Indy. I did see, I think that she's vaccinated. So we'll see if uh, if she finds her way there. And it's a drive from Chicago, which is nice. Um, hopefully they can 
figure out a way to get her over there. Just yesterday, we had UNC Greensboro beat Mercer to get the SOCON bid. They were the top seed in that tournament. They won their third SOCON tournament in program history, as well as the regular season championship this season. Um, they were 13 and five in conference play, 21 and eight overall on the year. And finally, the most recent program to punch their ticket is Appalachian State, winners of the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. They will head to the NCAA Tournament for the first time since 2000, which is pretty special. They went only seven and eight in conference play, but they were able to rattle off four straight wins in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, including an 80 to 73 win over top seeded Georgia State over the weekend um, to get that bid. This will be the program's third NCAA Tournament appearance in school history. So definitely should be an exciting week as teams continue to clinch their bids. And at this time next week, we will have the full field. And on the women's side selection, Monday, not far away either. And we have plenty of AQs that are punched there. So we have conference tournaments wrapping up and the first team to clinch their spot in the 2021 NCAA tournament was Belmont, the winners of the Ohio Valley tournament. They beat top seeded UT Martin to earn the OVC automatic bid and their fifth conference tournament title in the last six years, and it secured their 20th win of the season. And then in a conference that we've talked about all year long, the ACC, we saw NC State get the auto bid with the huge bucket from Reina Perez with 2.1 seconds left to lead NC State to their second straight ACC title. They beat Louisville by just two points, 58 to 56. NC State takes an eight-game win streak into the NCAA tournament, and they're now winners of six ACC titles in their program history. Mercer became the third team to clinch on the women's side. They beat Walford 60 to 38 in the SOCON tournament, their third SOCON tourney title in the last four years. Mercer went 19 and six overall, 10 and three in conference play. They won four in a row as they head down to San Antonio next week. In the SEC, we had South Carolina led by Don Staley. Um, they came away victorious in the conference tournament to earn the automatic bid for the sixth time winning their sixth SEC championship in the last seven years, obviously very impressive. They beat Georgia 67 to 62. And it was also the first championship matchup featuring black head coaches with Don Staley and Joni Taylor for Georgia. Um, Don Staley after the game, what you saw gives black women hope. I absolutely love that. And Kara, happy belated International Women's Day to you as well. Just wanted to make sure that I, I plugged that in, but Another team we've talked a ton about is Stanford, clinched the Pac-12 tournament championship. They are winners of the regular season and tournament championships. They've lost just two games the entire season. Again, a really, really strong team that just has not slowed down. And they are winners of the last 14 games after beating UCLA by 20 points. Tara Vanderveer praised her team's toughness after the game. They will surely be one of the favorites heading into selection Monday. And then Troy will also be dancing. They are the winners of the Sun Belt their third trip to the tournament since 2016. They beat Louisiana Lafayette 73 to 65, who were the Sunbelt regular season champions. It'll be their fourth NCAA tournament appearance. And then finally, the number one team in the country, the Yukon Huskies led by Paige Beckers, the freshman, won the Big East tournament, which comes as no surprise, but still impressive nonetheless. And they beat Marquette, I hate even saying this, they beat Marquette 73 to 39. Yes, Marquette only scored 39 points. Um, I sadly didn't get to watch the game because I was working the, the four playoff games that we had yesterday, but it is uh, UConn's 19th Big East Championship. And we will certainly get to that with our guests, but what an impressive showing for the Huskies heading into the NCAA tournament. 
Joining us now is none other than John Fanta. He's play-by-play for Fox, the host of Big E Shoot Around, so many other things, and he is extremely busy right now. We are in the midst of March. John, you're a friend of the program. Uh, you're bringing back the press in full court press. Just talk about where you're at right now uh, in your current situation. Well, uh, where I'm at right now is New York City. And Jenny, Kara, thanks so much for having me. Happy madness. Here we go. It's back and it's going to be better than ever. Uh, I am in New York. I am downtown. I'm in a hotel right now where the other Big East men's basketball Student athletes, coaches, officials, administrators are all staying. Basically, this is a controlled environment. I am quarantining. We are testing daily. Got up at 7.50 this morning, got the COVID test. And uh, basically, we're doing that every day to practice the the health, the safety, masked up outside our rooms. Um, And it's going well. You know, I I think that uh, there's, I wasn't sure what the vibe would be. You know, would it be exhaustion at this point of the college basketball season? Would it be, you know, fatigue? Would it be frustration? What would it be? And what I am sensing underneath those masks is what I'm sure you sense, Jenny, in the G League bubble, and what I'm sure you sense, Kara, with the Spartans, is that in the G League, the playoffs, and in college basketball, March Madness, the, the players are ready. They're ready for this moment. They've waited a year for it, many of them. And now's the time and you can sense an urgency you can sense an excitement and even in these times that that's really a a great reward after the defeat that we all took last year in some way shape or form with March Madness getting taken away so I'm in New York City quarantining and ready to go I need to ask about the wristbands you mentioned it before we hopped on here but what is the situation there yeah so the wristband it doesn't have anything electronic um, but it does have, you know, uh, Madison Square Garden on there to basically allow me to go over to the garden and do some work out of there uh, that will our crew will be kind of doing a set day today and going over some things for our show, uh, which I host Big E Shoot Around, you know, during the during the tournament with pre and post game coverage. So basically, you know, this is inside the hotel. They do have an electronic system where, where players and coaches are wearing a necklace that tracks their every move. Not like we saw in the NBA bubble where if you got within six feet, you were gonna get buzzed. Um, This is more about contact tracing. So that this can track for the players if they're socializing with another player, if it's many players. But let's just say that, let's say in the event that a coach or a player were socializing with another coach or a player, but it was just those two that were socializing for this amount of time. This device is smart enough to contact trace, basically be able to track who's interacting longer than 15 minutes, because that's the the health and safety protocol and less than six feet apart or around six feet apart. So that if that person did test positive for COVID-19, that the contact tracing would be followed. But what's the other side of this? Let's say a player tests positive for COVID. And that buzzer never went off. It is my belief that based on that that necklace, that that player would basically, unfortunately, be removed from the team, but that the rest of the team could compete because that player did not expose other players to COVID-19. Now, there's variables to this. Was he practicing for an hour with players? 
that's where university doctors get involved. But this is how the Big East, this is how the Big Ten, this is how a lot of leagues around the country this week are trying to do the best contact tracing. And it's what we'll see at the NCAA tournament as well. Johnny Rabo Higgins son for the Big East Women's Tournament last week. Like you said, you're in New York right now. Um, let's start, though, with UConn rolling through the women's tournament. Um, you got to see Paige Beckers in person. What was your takeaway from that? Unbelievable. Uh, my takeaway was Gina Oriema, after a Paige Beckers pass to Kristen Williams, turning to the official and audibly hearing him say, if she throws another pass like that again, take her out of the game. This player... Paige Beckers is defining greatness in front of our eyes. She is going to be, she already is, first name basis at UConn. And I think that she is going to be a national champion multiple times. And if not this year, which I don't know about this year because there's, they're a young team, they don't have any seniors. And look, top of the field, there's some unknowns with this COVID season. It's going to be tough for UConn. But with AZ Fudd coming in next year, number one player in women's basketball coming out of high school, and you already have a number one player on your team in Paige, it's unbelievable, ladies. I, I really, I'm amazed by her talent level, but there's two things that particularly stand out to me that make her different from other players. As a freshman, for her to basically set the pace, the tenor of the game early on, the game goes her way. The game goes her way. She might make a bad play, but you have to go her way. And she plays this deliberate style that is so, so smooth. Um, she, it's like a waltz. It's the Becker's waltz. That's, that's what I would call it because it just goes her way. It's her way of doing it. And, and she has such a level of control for a freshman. And Gino's trust in her is incredible. That says it all. Think of all the greats he's coached. Diana, Maya, Sue. And he has said that Paige is just different. What does that tell us? It tells us that one, he has an unlimited amount of faith in her. But I think the other thing about Paige that I love is she is so calm, cool, and collected. This girl, nothing faces Paige Beckers. She has an incredible level of poise. And her personality is this cool hand, Luke. You know, I'm in control, but but I'm not cocky about it. You know, I've got, I've got swagger, but I, I really love her mentality. I love her charisma. And I think that her sort of sarcasm is really what makes her uh, such a unique player. They obviously rolled past Marquette and they have the tournament coming up. Who do you see as the biggest threat to the Huskies in that NCAA tournament? Yeah, I, I still think you know, that, that South Carolina is because South Carolina is able to match, if not exceed, anybody's physicality. UConn has Olivia Nelson Adota and Aaliyah Edwards, but South Carolina is able to counter that with their post presence, and they have that. And I thought that, that, that South Carolina actually might have been the better team when they played UConn, um, as housekeeping knocks on my door. Uh, in the middle of an interview, thank you. <laughs> Uh, in the middle of an interview, have you heard of Full Court with Jenny Fisher and Kara Kay? <laughs> you should listen sometime. All right, back to it. Um, oh, my goodness. So South Carolina would be my answer. 
So for those fans that only start to pay attention right now in March, um, on the women's side, maybe give us a couple names of players who are likely to jump out and become national names over the course of this next month. Wow. Uh, in, in women's basketball? Yes. Um, you know, we can also do men's, I would say. No, I, I, think, that, I think that Caitlin Clark uh, at Iowa is an amazing player. I mean, she, she has just been – Clark has been such a high-level scorer. As a freshman, she's averaging over 27 points per game. As a freshman, I mean, we really have some incredible talent uh, in the Big Ten. You know, I think of um, Nas Hillman at, at Michigan. I think she's been a fantastic player as well in the way that she's played the game. And, and she's just another player who who is so versatile in her approach. So – I look at a pair of Big Ten players. I think there's others in the Big Ten, you know, uh, that that are going to shine here in this NCAA tournament. Uh, I think Aaliyah Boston is someone who really stands out to me. I love the way she plays. The game just seemingly goes at her pace. You know, I think that Arkansas has a great backcourt as well, um, one to watch for that I've been really impressed by. And I think Coach Neighbors has done a great job there. Also love West Virginia uh, and what Coach Carey's been able to do with that crew. Um, so I, I, I look at some of these teams and, and I think between Clark and Hillman and uh, Beckers and Boston, I think that those are some of the best names to kind of watch out for this year. And, and you know what, in the men's game, you know, I can't wait to see the kind of stamp that Io Dosumu puts on this March Madness. He gives me Carmelo Anthony vibes. He really does. I just love his finishing ability. I think he is such a wonder to watch. He makes the impact on a game late, particularly. He is such a special player. So I look at him. I look at a guy like McKinley Wright IV. People don't know much about him. He's at Colorado, and he is playing at a really high level in the Pac-12. Watch out for McKinley Wright. I also think it's a chance for people to see the Mobley brothers out of USC, what they've been able to do. They're on at 10 o'clock at night, you know, on the East Coast. So people don't watch them a ton. They've been a thrill to watch as well. So that would be a, a couple of guys that I'm really intrigued by here. And I think that James Booknight at UConn is giving us some really, really special looks at what he can do. He could be a lottery pick in the NBA draft. I'm really high on Booknight. And uh, he's giving me some Kemba vibes here as Big East Tournament Week gets underway. So let's look at the Big East men's tournament. Injuries are hitting Villanova at the wrong time. Gillespie is done for the year with the torn ACL. Justin Moore likely out for the conference tournament. And then Creighton's issues are just altogether different with Coach Greg McDermott's comments and then leading to the suspension. Um, he'll be back, but you have to wonder what is the impact that this has on these teams? And these are the two top seeds, Villanova's injuries, Creighton's controversy. Who does that all open up the door for next? Well, it opens up the door for UConn. They're the most dangerous team in the Big East heading into this week. Um, they defend, they rebound like there's no tomorrow. When you combine that with senior play, Tyler Polly, Isaiah Whaley, these are complementary players who are making things happen for the Huskies. RJ Cole, the Howard transfer, has really added to the backcourt. He's smooth. He doesn't turn the ball over. He knows how to rack up assists. And when you have that guy at the one and you're able to pair him up with Booknight, it gives me Shabazz Napier, Ryan Boatwright vibes. You know, I, I think that, that UConn has that one-two punch in their backcourt to be a, a team that really can pick up steam here and be a six or a seven seed 
in the NCAA tournament here on Selection Sunday. So it opens the door for UConn, and it also opens the door for St. John's. You know, Mike Anderson, in my mind, is the Big East Coach of the Year. Um, and he's got the freshman of the year in Posh Alexander. Posh Alexander fits New York City. He fits everything that St. John's basketball is about. He gets in your shirt the moment you get off the bus, and St. John's is defending at a really, really high level. Um, and they play a style that's distinct. You know, Mike Anderson, he did a great job at Arkansas. It didn't end up working out, you know, wholly. They didn't renew, and he's found a new home at St. John's, and he's never had a losing season. There's a reason for that. He knows how to win. Uh, speaking of which, his former school, Arkansas, is, is a team that I don't think is getting enough national attention in the men's game that I think is serious about making a deep run. They kind of just have flown under the radar. I think that's a good thing for them. But I, I really like St. John's um, and their potential here this week. They have Seton Hall on Thursday. Seton Hall's reeling right now. And then on Friday, you're going to potentially get Villanova, who's banged up. And St. John's commanded Villanova in Queens. So that would set UConn St. John's up potentially. If, if UConn beats Creighton, UConn has to beat Providence potentially too. So look, the Big East tournament's wide open, but UConn and St. John's are the biggest beneficiaries in my opinion. The Big 10 and the Big 12 have been the two best conferences all season long. Um, who do you like in both of those conference tournaments? Oh my gosh. Um, wow. What a question, Kara, because I think that there are enough, like we could combine to talk about probably 10 different schools if we combine two, the, both, the two leagues to win the conference tournament this week. This is going to be the madness before the madness. Um, in the Big Ten, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if one of the more under-the-radar teams in this league makes a serious run. Um, you know, like if a Wisconsin reemerges here this week, you know, like right now they're hovering around the seven, eight or nine line, Trice, Davison, um, Reavers, like they, they've got great experience. I think that that fits in the, in the conference tournament. And I also like, I'm really intrigued by the Spartans. I think that Michigan state is a team that, that could kind of like, it wouldn't surprise me if we see some of the heavyweights fall earlier than we, than we expected and see a team emerge in a very deep big 10 or big 12. I think that some of these schools, as much as their minds on winning a conference crown, they know that they can win a national championship, you know? So I think there's always a power dynamic there, but if I were to make a big 10 tournament pick, you know, I just love the way that Illinois presents problems for other teams. And I would go ahead with the Illini. You know, I, I just have a gut feeling about them here in March because it's Jusumu, it's Coburn in the paint, who is such a force and Trent Frazier is a big-time shot maker, and him on weak side threes is really, really tough to stop. So I would go with Illinois, uh, but you think about it. Michigan could win it. I'm not high on Rutgers anymore. I'm not as high on Ohio State. Uh, I don't like the way they've played over the last couple of weeks. In terms of the Big 12, I'm going to pick West Virginia to win the Big 12 tournament. I, I, I love Miles Deuce McBride. I think that the Mountaineers have been playing extremely good basketball. They just, they fell short to Baylor. It was an instant classic. I like Bob Huggins going back to back. And uh, I, I'm going to go with, with West Virginia. Gonzaga always gets the, yeah, but as in, yeah, they're good, but they play in the WCC. People might be forgetting that this team rolled through Kansas, Iowa, Virginia, West Virginia in non-conference play. 
What is the difference between this Gonzaga team and all the others who have come close in recent years? They have an, an incredibly deep backcourt is the difference. They have Jalen Suggs, Joel Ayayi, and then they go to Andrew Nemhard. When your third best guard would start for any team in the country, that tells me that you could win the national championship. So for Gonzaga, in the past, we've talked about how they have trees in Spokane. You know, they have had DeMontis Sabonis. They've had Killian Tilly. Well, I look at Corey Kispert and Drew Timmy, and I, I see the same type of length that we've seen in the past. But what's different for me this year with Gonzaga is the backcourt. Again, a deep backcourt that understands what it takes to close. And I think that that's the difference with this Gonzaga team. I don't think they've had as deep of a level of backcourt scoring. And I think they've been a little bit predictable at times in that realm in the tournament. And in the tournament, you guys know this. You can defend and rebound all you want. There's going to come a game where there's shot making. It's punch for punch. Do you have enough shot makers? For me, Gonzaga has the most capable shot makers in the country. And that's why I think they're the best team. Uh, and everybody else thinks they're the best team in the country. I would be stunned if they didn't make the final four. Really stunned. So assuming that Baylor, Michigan, Illinois are those other number one seeds, who is a team that Gonzaga would not want to see in their region on their path to a final four? Hmm. Michigan, because of the way they defend. I think it is Michigan. I really do. I, I, I think that Jawan Howard um, would be my national coach of the year because I, I didn't think we expected them to be as great as they've been, and they have been great. Um, but I, I, would, I would be afraid of playing Michigan because we have seen them D people up, and there's nothing you can do about it. And if Gonzaga's a little bit off from the perimeter, maybe, maybe Michigan gives them a run. You know, clearly Hunter Dickinson can compete with anybody. Isaiah Livers is a pro. I mean, that, that guy is a man's man. Like, he, he is physical, and he is going to take your lunch money, and he doesn't care what kind of sandwich you have because he's going to get hits. So, for me, and my money, like, Michigan is a team that I do not want to see if I'm Gonzaga. I think that they match up fine with the others that you talk about. I even like them over Baylor. Um, but I, I would not want to see the, the Michigan Wolverines. Duke and Kentucky have put themselves in positions where they need to run the table in their conference tournaments to get in. So Kentucky's path, they got Mississippi State, top seed Alabama, then Tennessee or Florida in a semi, and then likely LSU or Arkansas in final. And then Duke has to get through BC, Louisville, Florida State just to get to the semis. Uh, neither of that is at all realistic at all. But which of those Blue Bloods do you think has a better chance? Duke. Duke. I think that the ACC's down. I do. I, I, I can see Duke beating Boston College. Then you have Louisville. Louisville's offense is limited. Louisville offensively is a limited team. Duke can, can get going defensively and then can run the floor off that. Florida State would be a really, really tall task, but I don't even have Kentucky getting more than a win. I, I just don't like them against Alabama. I think Alabama, Nate Oates has, has done a great job. I look at Petty, Shackelford. I look at Alabama's makeup and the way that they – get after you and just the, the break you down scoring. And they got a little bit of an experience edge. I like Duke's chances because I could see them making a run. Um, and I think we've seen flashes from Duke of what they could be. I know that the North Carolina rematch did not go well at all. Um, but I, I, I'm not high on the ACC at all this year. You know, I, I think that the big 10 and big 12 are clearly better than any other conferences. 
But I, I think that the ACC, you know, is going to potentially get five teams in, maybe six. I don't know if it's that type of league even this year. I, I think that the league has kind of cannibalized itself. I don't think there's a national championship team in the ACC. I don't, I don't think that. Maybe Duke makes a run. So we'll definitely be better, better able to answer this question once we see the bracket in just a few short days, but maybe a couple of tournament dark horses um, you'll be looking at no matter where they um, end up in the bracket. Hmm. Love that question. Love that question. Let me think here. Um, tournament dark horses. Okay, well, West Virginia would be my dark horse. That's not a one or, or you know, even maybe a two seat. Um, as we go deeper down the bracket, you know, I, I look at a team like USC. I think Andy Enfield's done a really nice job with the Trojans, and they kind of have quietly gone about it, but the Mobleys are tough. They have enough backcourt play to be a, a team that could pull off you know, uh, two wins and find themselves in the second weekend. So keep an eye on the Trojans. Um, keep an eye on, keep an eye on, um, let me think here. I I'm, I'm intrigued to see what Loyola Chicago slash Drake do. I think Drake's deserving of a bid and all the, I hope that the committee puts them in the field. You know, they're, they're probably going to be, they, they didn't win their conference tournament. Loyola Chicago did. Here's what I love about Loyola Chicago. They have seven guys averaging seven or more points, seven guys averaging seven or more points. So it's not just like me being like sister Jean, Loyola Chicago. No, this team is very balanced. They don't rely on any one or two players. You don't often see that in mid-majors. You often see one or two players will their team to the tournament and then they have to play well. So I like Loyola Chicago's chances, and I think that Drake would be another interesting one. Um, the Mountain West should pull off something. You know, San Diego State is a team that could be a dangerous team, really. And watch out for Mark Pope's BYU. BYU is going to be a team to watch out for. Do not sleep on the Cougars. I, I really like their makeup as well. This has obviously been a season unlike any other. We've had long layoffs for some programs, not a lot of fans for most games. Now we'll have these controlled environments in San Antonio and Indianapolis. What type of team do you think this will favor? Hmm. Great question. Great question. Who does it favor that the Indianapolis um, sort of vibe there? Huh. I'm going to go with, I, I think that it, it could favor Big Ten teams because they are already playing there. Smart move by the Big Ten, by the way, to just say, hey, we're going to go right to Indianapolis to play our conference tournament, and then our teams are going to stay. That, to me, says advantage Big Ten. You know, that, that says this should translate to the NCAA tournament. Those guys are going to be comfortable. If you lose, how many times does a team lose in the conference tournament? you got to get back on that plane. You're kind of depressed. You get back home and then you got to wait for selection Sunday. And I think there's a time period there that can kind of mess with the team morale standpoint, you know, like it gets them a little off kilter. I kind of like the idea. If you lose, you know what? You get a second chance. If you're in the big 10 this year, it's almost like you get a second chance. Like you lost your conference tournament game, but guess what guys, we are still here and we're going to get selected on Sunday. So if, if Michigan loses a Big Ten tournament game, or if Illinois somehow loses, or whoever it might be, you know, Wisconsin and Rutgers, Ohio State, Purdue, hey, you're going to hear your name called. 
you are going to hear your name called on Selection Sunday, and you're still here. You don't have to travel like everybody else is traveling. You've been here. You can get to practice Monday morning. Whenever, when a, when a Dobo, you know, you both know this, is running around saying, we got to get this, 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 and this, and we're traveling, and there's chaos, and there's media everywhere, these players are already going to be in, in Indiana. They're going to be ready to go. So for me, it says advantage Big Ten, not so much with the, with the lack of crowd. Um, I think more so about the fact that they'll already be in Indiana. And I also think that East Coast teams can benefit because there's no change in time zone in Indiana. Let's take a, a step out of the college basketball realm, or maybe even a half step. You just called plenty of G League games, John. What did you see from the talent pool, the storylines like Miles Powell getting the call up uh, with the two-way with the Bucks, Canyon Berry's underhanded free throws and shooting over 90% from the line, and then also this route as a potential option for the next crop of elite prospects? It is. Uh, what, a, what a job by the NBA. With G League Ignite, between Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga and Dacia Nix and Isaiah Todd, who I think only picked up steam here in the bubble, what an experience. And what I took away more than anything, Jenny, was the play of Jared Jack and how he serves as a mentor. That's so cool. You know, we were all talking about how are these kids going to learn what it takes to win professionally? They learn the best way out of anybody. They learn from the sources themselves. And for the NBA to go beyond basketball with these kids, to market them, to brand them, to teach them about the ins and outs of professionalism, that's awesome. And a huge credit goes to the NBA for being innovative, for saying we will take on the project that other people might not be willing to, or we will take on the project or the initiative that might be a little bit nerve wracking because you don't know how it's going to work. I can't tell you how many national broadcasts I tuned into other ones where I was watching games. And you know what the analyst's first point was? I wasn't really sure how this was going to work. This was a resounding success. Resounding success. In terms of the G League itself, I had a blast. So many great games. How cool was it to see Jeremy Lin's return to professional basketball? And watching him tutor Nico Mannion, you know, who's a 19-year-old kid and playing at a high level. The Santa Cruz Warriors were a thrill. Thrill to watch. You combine that with guys like Iggy Brasdakis, who's on assignment from the Knicks and try to show his skill set again. Thought he performed really well. I thought Jordan Bell was great um, in the way that he played. So I go right down the line. Jared Utoff and Erie, they lit it up. It was really a pleasure to call, and it was a pleasure to tell the stories of guys who've been trying to make their way back, you know, or make their way up. Most impressive player for me in the bubble, Mamadi Diakite, out of Virginia. He shined. He was such a presence. He was the Swiss Army knife for the Lakeland Magic. And between him dunking and Andrew Rousey hitting threes uh, from Epcot, it was really fun to watch. One of my favorite things to watch in person as well. And so, John, I have to ask, final question. You talked about you were getting mellow vibes from someone, Shabazz Napier vibes. But what are your vibes, other JF, now that we are a week into March? Thrilled. Thrilled. It's my grinning ear to ear, as you guys can see, you know, I'm a positive person, Kara, we've just met, but uh, I can tell you have that same optimistic sense uh, because you're friends with Jenny Fisher and our producer, well, I'll say our producer because he's my producer too, Mike Lieber is the best. Um, this is a great time of year. And um, sometimes you don't realize how great you have it until something gets taken from you. And so um, I, I have totally seen the joy on players' faces already, 
even through a mask. And I myself have that joy to watch a sport that we all love get played this time of year and the madness of March and the schools, the pageantry. It's Fantasy Island and it comes to real life over the next month. It's the best. It's the best month of the year. It's a journey unlike any other. Expect the unexpected. And for these smaller schools, there's nothing I love more than the 12, 13, or 14 pulling it off and having their shining moment. This month is all about shining moments. Um, and you know what? It goes without saying, uh, but I'll say it. Thanks to all the people on the front lines, the healthcare workers, the teachers, the people in testing facilities, the police officers, the firefighters, everybody that was working every day in person um, that basically helped our country stay together. You know, March Madness is a time where we all come together typically in person and celebrate the greatness of sport because it is the best American sports tournament, in my opinion, uh, that we have in our country. And while we won't be together in person this year, I still feel us together. I feel us together in this Zoom right now. And we would not have gotten to this point had those people on the front lines not done all their work during last March when it was dark. So thank you again to all those people who made it work during such a difficult time. And we still have a fight left with COVID-19. It's not just going to go away. We got to mask up and we got to do our part. But to have the joy of March Madness during a time where I believe our country needs it is really special. And I cannot wait. And I know we're all going to try to make it work. And John, when you said Fantasy Island, all I could think was Fanta Sea Island. So <laughs> double entendre there. But John, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. And best of luck this March. I would love to come on full court anytime. Love you, ladies. Love your work. Can't wait to see your coverage here during the madness. Jenny, congrats on everything with the G League. Kara, I hope that the Spartans bring another month of Izzo because it's coming. I love it. Thank you. January, February, Tom Izzo. <laughs> Thanks, ladies. Thanks, Thanks John. That was dope. Always great vibes from the John Fanta. I, I mean, Kara, I'm absolutely thrilled too. I mean, I know that again, this is the first time actually that I'm not going to be at MSG for the Big East tournament in four years. Um, that's where I've spent the beginning of every March. And obviously with the NCAA was was doing all the, the March Madness type of stuff there. So I'm not like geographically in the place uh, that I am excited about, but how can you not love this time of year? And you know what? I'm I'm looking forward to even just laying in my bed and watching college basketball games all day um, from the perspective of, again, there's also a little bit of a blessing not working within college basketball for this one time for me, um, because I'm just going to lay on my couch and watch games all day. And I'm thrilled for that. I was going to say that is the benefit of like being at home or being just be able to be in front of a TV, get the remote and go back between games. And I love when they have like all the scores just, you know, especially the first weekend running on top of the screen and you can just kind of glance at it and see what's going on and get a chance to probably watch some teams that you wouldn't watch, you know, during the regular seasons. That's going to be awesome. Um, we have the conference tournaments going on all week. There's a lot of matchups we won't know about yet just because, you know, we'll see who can kind of beat who over these next couple of days. But as John said, plenty of teams and matchups, hopefully to keep an eye on. Gonzaga looks to secure the WCC title, wrap up that undefeated season. They face BYU Tuesday night in the final. The ACC conference, 
conference tournament will surely be interesting to see what Virginia, Carolina, Duke were all able to do. Duke can go on a little bit of a run there, as well as Clemson and Virginia Tech. Um, those programs have been solid all year. We'll see, you know, who kind of emerges from the ACC. The Big Ten and the Big 12, those tournaments kick off on Wednesday. Baylor, kind of the favorite in the Big 12. Michigan has the one seed in the Big Ten, but will certainly be challenged by Illinois, Ohio State, Iowa, or maybe one of those other teams um, that are kind of in the middle of the pack. Other tournaments starting Wednesday include the Big East, the Big Sky, the Mountain West, just to name a few. So should definitely be a great end to the week. As those conference tournaments wind down, we get some of those quarterfinal and semifinal games. And then, of course, the big championship games that will carry us right up to the selection show um, at 6 p.m. Eastern on Sunday evening. Uh, the Patriot League, the A-10, the AAC, the Big Ten Championships, those will all take place on Sunday. So perfect day of basketball. I cannot wait for Sunday. I will be back in New York. And again, I'm talking about all the things I'm excited for. Upset alerts, which again, sounds funny, but like when you get the upset alert on your phone and I've, I've got the app and everything. So another thing to be excited for as all of the puzzle pieces kind of come into place. But on the women's side, we have plenty of conference tournament action wrapping up as well as more teams look to secure their automatic bids or selection Monday. The Gonzaga women's team faces BYU in the WCC final on Wednesday night, and it will be really interesting to see if both the men's and women's programs can come out as West Coast Conference champions. Pretty cool story as both teams have had really good years so far. And then the Big Ten, Conference USA, and Southland tournaments all get underway, as well as tons of others. But on Saturday, there will be a lot of bids on the line as the MAC, Big Ten, CAA championships will all be determined among others. And then on Sunday, the rest of the auto bids will be determined with the rest of the league tournaments wrapping up, including the Big 12, MVC, and the Patriot League. We love to end this show with our final four. And this time we're going with four players that we can't wait to watch in men's and women's NCAA tournaments. Kara, I want to hear your two picks, uh, one men's, one women's, and I'll give mine. Perfect. Um, on the women's side, I'm going to go with Fran Belibi. Um, looking for a dunk in March Madness. I think that would be awesome. And definitely she can take her team very far in the tournament. So hopefully we'll get multiple opportunities to see that. And on the men's side, uh, I'm going to go Corey Kisper in his last go around with Gonzaga. Another team I think can go pretty far in the tournament, probably win the whole thing. Um, they have a ton of talent, but I think he just brings a lot to that team and he's a fun player to watch. And on the men's side, I'm going to have to go with Cade Cunningham. He is just different. There is no better way of putting it. He is just a different player, a different beast, super fun to watch and to see how that would do in a March Madness environment would be incredible. Similarly, Paige Becker's on the women's side. We already talked about her, but undoubtedly, even though they completely rolled over Marquette, uh, it's just going to be really fun to see what her and UConn can do together. She had 23 points in that title game. So she had like half as many points as Marquette had in total, but it was their 160th straight win in conference play. And again, she's the biggest part of it. Uh, she's electric. She's kind of the heart and soul of that team. And so to see what she could do in a March environment, especially as a freshman would be a really, really cool sight to see. Another episode of Full Court with Fisher and Kate is in the books. Thanks so much to John Fanta for coming back, for spending some time with us. Thanks also to our producer, Mike Lieber, as well as Bruce Bernstein for all of their help. Kristen Woolley edits the show and we appreciate all of her contributions. Please check out our other Pure Hoops Media shows. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong drops each Wednesday. 
Each Thursday, Monica McNutt and King McClure drop by with buckets, boards, and blocks. Every Friday is the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. The Mike Wise Show drops each Monday, and we'll be back every Tuesday with Full Court. Please check out all of our shows, subscribe, download them, rate and review them, but most of all, enjoy. See you next week on Full Court with Fisher and Kay. Full Court is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.